Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Buckswire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Buckswire editor, Luke Easterling. All right, one of my favorite games on the week one slate, Bucks at Saints Sunday in the 425 p.m. slot. Uh, that's Eastern time, and that is probably going to be the headliner of the afternoon games. Luke, how was the holiday weekend, and, and are you ready for this? Been ready for a while, man. No preseason games, no no mini camps, no OTAs. We got uh, a really weird training camp, uh, and now we're going to get straight to it. So what better way to do that, even without fans, uh, than uh, than the Superdome, Drew Brees versus uh Versus Tom Brady, Bucks Saints. Let's uh, let's get the uh, the the fight for the NFC South going right away. Seriously, and, and what what a benchmark game for the Bucks. And this is the team they want to compete with, and uh, they get a chance to do it right away. We'll jump right in. I know you've been watching. Uh, you've been part of these press conferences all day. These Bucks press conferences. Last week we talked about Leonard Fournette. He had just signed, and since then he's put a bunch of funny things on Instagram and memes and stuff like that, and you know all these videos and stuff with him and Brady. And he just had a presser. What were some of your your impressions uh, on hearing what Leonard Fournette had to say? Uh, you know, I, re- I respect him for at least trying at the beginning uh, to to not give us any bu- bulletin board material. Somebody, <laughs> you know, asked him specifically about, you know, what went wrong in Jacksonville, you know, how did things kind of fall apart? He was all, you know, completely buttoned up. Hey, I'm moving forward. I'm not, you know, I don't want to worry about that. Just excited to be in Tampa. And about three questions later, he went ahead and just took the gloves off. He said, uh, you know, he's excited about coming to Tampa because, quote, it's the first time in my life I've had I've really had a quarterback. Uh, so that's fun. Um, he said, you know, oh, right man, off the bat, poor Blake yeah, I mean, oh. that that sells itself, right? I mean, he said that. He said that uh, you know he's looking forward to you know having defenses that have to game plan for eight guys instead of just one every week. Um, <laughs> Meaning him. He's looking forward to the fact that he's going to be facing six man boxes instead of eight man boxes every down, uh, and that contributed to him coming to Tampa Bay. So you know, he started out started out giving us the company line. But boy, it didn't take long for him to make it clear that he's really excited to not be in Jacksonville anymore. So there you go. Luke Easterling will be uh, tuning in to all the Leonard Fournette pressers because you, you got to know what's coming out of those. Oh, my gosh. That's that's tremendous. That is tremendous stuff right there. Specifically about the matchup. When you look at these two teams in this matchup, Luke, one thing that sticks out to me is that these defenses might be better than people think. Like, I know the offenses are are amazing and they're going to put up a lot of points. You know, you look at the Bucks offense, the Saints offense is, is awesome with Michael Thomas. They added Emmanuel Sanders, Alvin Kamara, go down the list. But the defenses on both sides were sneaky good. The Bucks were really good against the run last year, and they were kind of up and coming against the pass. I think the Saints were pretty good, too. I think those units are overshadowed by their own offenses. What do you think about that piece? They absolutely are. And I've said this all offseason, you know, once Brady, you know, came on board and then you get Gronk and you talk about what this offense already had after last season, you know, I, everybody was talking Super Bowl for the Bucks because of those additions. But 
if the Bucks go to the Super Bowl this year, it's going to be because of that defense. I, I think the offense's floor is pretty high for them, and I, I think it would take some some significant injuries for them to not get theirs. You know what I mean? But this defense is going to be why that that team goes to the Super Bowl or doesn't. If they don't live up to what they're capable of, it won't really matter what the offense has done because we saw what the Bucks offense did last year, and it didn't matter. They went seven and nine after being the number one passing offense in the league and still having some of those weapons. So, you know, when you look at this Bucks defense in particular at every level, like you said, number one rush defense in the league last year, and teams figured that out very quickly and just decided to throw the ball on them. And early in the season, that worked because at one point that defense was starting six rookies on that unit. And so early on in the season, man, they were thrown right into the fire. They took their lumps, but you really started to see that switch flip. Everything started to click for that that unit, particularly in the secondary. And that entire defense as a, as a whole was a top five defense down the line six weeks of the season and they played against some tough matchups they, they played well against Deshaun Watson against DeAndre Hopkins and the Houston Texans in a, in a close loss um, so it wasn't you know they were playing Matt Ryan and Julio Jones down the stretch you know it wasn't against slouches necessarily all the time so coming into this year you've got the NFL sack leader back in Shaq Barrett you got Jason Pierre-Paul on the other side they combined for 28 sacks last year they're back you got the entire defensive front that entire front seven is back the only returning starter who's not uh, the only guy who's not a returning starter is Antoine Winfield who is a second round pick uh we found out yesterday earned one of the safety starting spots but 10 of 11 guys are back from that defense their top three corners who started almost if not all of last season are all 23 years old carlton davis jamel dean sean murphy bunting who's going to move inside and outside play some nickel and play on the outside they're all 23 years old and all have a good bit of starting experience already because of last year and being thrown in that fire so also throw in the fact that they're not changing schemes especially in this offseason where you've had no meetings you can't get together how important is it for those young guys who had so much success down the stretch to go into this season not having to learn a new defense not have to having to learn new checks and every every defensive player i've spoken to so far this offseason has talked about what a difference that's made in their play speed because they're not having to think as much because they know where they're supposed to be so sure. that defense is going to have a huge impact on whether or not this team can succeed and they're going to get tested right away this weekend in new orleans having mentioned that luke they still don't know how to cover michael thomas or didn't have a good time doing that last year right michael thomas is a beast uh i don't know if he's going to catch like 150 balls for 1700 yards and almost 10 touchdowns again those numbers were out of control but last year you know thomas kind of torched the bucks twice right and i think i i did the math i'm not a great math guy but i did the math got out my calculator 19 catches 296 yards three touchdowns in the two games so can the bucks figure out how to cover michael thomas that's going to be a key especially with emmanuel sanders adding another dimension to that offense i think honestly the biggest key to keeping a guy like michael thomas from from torching you like that is stop giving him the darn ball back (laughs) yeah stop stop letting that offense have extra possessions because when they have the ball a guy like that's going to get him especially with a quarterback like drew Brees, you know that that is his guy when they have the ball they're going to make stuff happen and a lot of that if you especially and this is not just a michael thomas thing you look back at tampa bay's defense over the last five years ten years it's a tackling issue a lot of the time especially with a guy like michael thomas who really doesn't beat people deep he's not a a downfield you know stretch the field kind of guy he makes his money in the intermediate stuff the short stuff breaking tackles because he's a big physical guy and using his size using his length to to beat guys who are even covering him well so this this is going to come down to fundamentals if this team can tackle if they can stop turning the ball over and, and hold on to the ball and and you know stop giving the, especially an offense like that multiple possessions you know off the of turnovers and short fields it's going to make those numbers go a little bit in the up in the opposite direction even if like i said a guy like michael thomas is going to get his to a certain extent but if you do the fundamental things both in terms of tackling and holding on to the ball as an offense it gives them fewer opportunities to make plays and that's how they're going to win
And, and, and I've seen across the board on the uh, USA Today wire sites, all you guys are reporting on the practice squads, the 53-man rosters without preseason. That's been really interesting, I think, for fans to get an idea of who's making the team, who's not. We don't get that narrative throughout the preseason like we've had. Were there any surprises on the on Tampa's side as far as what they ended up with for their final depth chart going into week one? Or was it pretty much straightforward uh, as far as like, all these guys in their, in their spots? Like, what, what do you think there? Yeah, I don't think there were really any huge surprises. I think the things that maybe were were headline worthy are things that kind of happened late, but weren't really. They were easy to understand. There's not a lot of moves that kind of left you scratching your head. The only one I could really pin, you know, pinpoint would be uh, Dare Ogumbawale, who was a special teams captain for the Bucks a year ago. Uh, ended up being the guy who was the odd man out in the backfield after the Bucks signed Leonard Fournette, and we kind of wondered, you know, would it be Lashawn McCoy because he's more of that veteran guy who's been here not as long? Uh, would they make that switch? And with a guy who, you know. Bruce Arians has been clear with us all year for those bubble guys. Special teams is a big thing. And, you know, for the special teams captain to get cut, while it was surprising, you kind of look at it from the other you know, direction and say, well, maybe that's an indictment of the special teams units from a year ago where they weren't necessarily happy with, with you know, the guys who had the voice and the leadership there. And, and so that was really the only surprise. Uh, Matt Gay, who they spent a fifth round pick on last year, came in as a kicker uh, and got beat out in two days basically by Ryan Suckup who they signed uh, just last week and you know but again that's not surprising either Maggie had had his moments during his rookie season but just wasn't consistent enough and Bruce has told us over and over I gotta have the gimmies I gotta have the mm-hmm. the sub 40 field goals those have to be automatic before I can worry about the 40 plus ones and the Bucks law you know this is nothing new for Bucks fans they know this they have lost so many games over the last 10-15 years because of their inability to make those kicks consistently and they've tried everything they've spent high draft picks on guys like Roberto Aguayo that made trade for guys like Kyle Brenza. They've taken guys off the street. They've spent later picks on guys like Matt Gay, and, and nothing has worked to this point, and they've lost so many games because of those missed, kick, the, the missed kicks, and they're so sick of it. So Ryan Suckup's the guy now. He's going to get a chance to, to bring stability to that position, but those are the, really the only two cuts that were significant. None, nothing really surprised us. I think the, the most pleasantly surprising thing for the practice squad is the ability to add Josh Rosen, a guy who was a top-10 pick two years ago, uh, has had everything that can change, uh, change for him over the last couple of years, but he spent time with Byron Leftwich who's the offensive coordinator in Tampa now. That was his OC in Arizona the one year he was there. Mm. What a perfect place for a guy to try to go and resurrect his career, learning from under Tom Brady and not really having a lot of pressure to perform. Absolutely. And speaking of Tom Brady, it's time for him to make his debut on Sunday. Uh, he's been wearing that orange practice jersey, Luke. For me, as a New Hampshire guy, as a guy who followed Brady's career when he was a Patriot, doesn't look right given that orange jersey. So I'm, I, it's going to take me a while to get used to the uh, to the Bucks gear, but I cannot wait to see him on the field on Sunday uh, for his debut. I think we're, we're going we're gonna to dive into that. Brady's debut coming up here on the Bucks Wire podcast. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Bonini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about three fantasy options that I can't wait to play in week number one. Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew. He doesn't have a running game to speak of, and he's probably going to have to throw the ball a lot to keep Jacksonville even remotely close in this one. Volume alone should keep him in the number one range for quarterbacks, but it might not be pretty in terms of turnovers. Sticking with that same matchup on the other side of things, Marlon Mack. Jacksonville has lost just about everyone of note on defense in the last year or so. This was one of the best fantasy matchups for running backs last year, and one can make an argument that this team has regressed. Mack was good for 16 and 19 
fantasy points, respectively, in PPR last year, and he's not even a receiving type back. Jonathan Taylor will take some touches, but Mac should be able to get his too. And the Seattle-Atlanta matchup has DK Metcalf poised to be one of the top receivers of the week. He scored twice last year against them, accounting for two of his seven touchdowns on the season. Seattle should be a little bit better on the back end, but rookie cornerback A.J. Terrell will make his first pro appearance, and Metcalf can probably have his way with him. In week number one, don't get too cute. Trust the guys who you drafted highly. Don't try to take too many gambles and take chances where it's smart. Continuity probably will be the biggest factor in success entering the season. For more fantasy football tips and advice, check out thehuddle.com, part of the USA Today Sports Network. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talked about Aaron Rodgers playing with a chip on his shoulder because everybody wanted to replace him. This is going to be like the Tom Brady chip, right? (laughs) Bill Belichick just gave the Buccaneers the greatest gift he could give them. Because in 20 years, you might be able to combine two minutes and 41 seconds of Belichick talking about Brady and his competitiveness. A guy's been there a month, and you're already getting it. You couldn't if you're if you're Bruce Arians, man. You just all you do is just keep that on. You just keep replaying that for Brady every Monday morning. Just keep giving it to him because it's unbelievable. And, and listen, I, I respect Cam Newton. I, I love what what Belichick said about him. But man, I'm with you. I am floored that he spent two minutes and forty one seconds on a guy who's been there, you know, thirty one days. All right, so that's one of Brady's old friends, Luke Jeff Saturday, guy yep. from the you know from the Colts who they had all kinds of battles with back in the day. But what do you think about that take about Jeff Saturday's? saying that maybe Belichick, you know, blushing over Cam Newton will have an effect on Brady. I don't think I'm buying that. What do you think? No, I, I think a guy like Brady, you know, the reason, one of the reasons he's so special and, and has been so successful is because he is that kind of guy who doesn't doesn't need that external motivation. Go back to the old Bill Parcells quote, you know, about, you know, if I need to get you motivated for the Super Bowl, you don't need to be here. You know what I mean? I don't need I don't need to give you much if you know what you're doing. So uh, Brady's definitely one of those guys. But, you know, on a human level, you got to think, even if you portray that, that it definitely, you know, it doesn't it doesn't disappear. You're definitely aware of it. You know, I, d- despite our best efforts and all of his pressures so far this offseason, Brady has not taken any bait in terms of uh, talking about what he didn't like about his experience in New England and why, uh, you know, making the move to Tampa might give him an opportunity to uh, experience a uh, a, a little bit of a different environment in a lot of ways, but uh, you know he was really professional about that and not giving anybody any bulletin board material of their own. But uh, you know, but Brady's just the kind of guy who knows how to get the most out of out of what he has, and if that means that you know whether or not he's publicly acknowledging it, you know, privately taking things like that and using him as, as motivation, whatever he's been doing for twenty years has worked. So uh, just keep doing that. What has stuck out about his pressers? I mean, I know he's going to always play close to the vest, and with Brady, from my experiences, he'll he'll talk for twenty minutes and not say anything. But what like what do you you get from him as far as like where he's at heading into this opener does he feel do you feel like he has full command of not only the team but the new system the new playbook all that stuff what's your sense on that I do, and and honestly, I'll draw less from his pressers because, like you said, he does cl- keep things so close to the best. His teammates, on the other hand, are a lot less tight-lipped about it. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've asked his teammates 
in Tampa Bay about their experience and what he has brought to the table and how he is digesting everything. And they love to talk about it. So, you know, we'll hear from defenders. We talked to Sean Murphy Bunting just the other day, and he talked about how, you know, he picked off Brady in practice and Brady came to him in the locker room afterwards and was like, hey, I hope you know that I know you made a great play, but I was the one who screwed up on that. And this is why. So don't get a big head about it. But I just want to know, were you in this? And, you know, I thought you were doing this. Is that correct? And if you do this, this is what I'm going to see and how I'm going to beat it. And there's just so many things. We've talked to everybody on the team at this point about what their experience has been like playing with him, even just in practice. And the way he elevates everyone else's game, the way he shows guys how to do things and, and how to look for things that they never would have thought of. Because and, and there's no substitute for that, man. You you want you, Obviously, if you're a player, you don't want to say you play differently for any other quarterback or any other teammate. But it's you can't avoid it when a guy has had 20 years in the league and has won six Super Bowls and has the kind of experience seeing everything an NFL defense can throw at you and seeing what works and what doesn't from an offensive standpoint that matters and that forces your game to go to another level because it educates you it puts you in position to be a better player and to a man every other teammate that we've talked to has said something different something unique but it's all got the same thread and that that's that Tom Brady brings that level of excellence to everybody on this team helps them rise their game to the next level and also educates them about how they can play their their position better no matter what side of the ball they're on so the impact he's having is is incalculable at this point uh again people will talk all day about how he's 43 and maybe he can't throw the ball as far but none of that is going to matter nearly as much as what he has been able to do in preparing his teammates to be on the same level that he's been his whole career I'll, I'll tell you this it's been a long and, and this was written on the uh, on the Bucks wire. It's been a long time since Tom Brady was uh, an underdog. Never mind going into an opener, but in any regular season game, he has not been an underdog in a long time. And his debut game with the Bucks will end a 74 game streak of his teams being favored, right, to win. So the Bucks will be the underdog going uh, into this game against the Saints, which I find kind of fascinating. His first game with the Bucks, it's already different, right? It is different, and, and honestly, they're underdogs, rightly so, because you know Brady brings enough to this team on his own. But this is a team that hasn't won the division since 2007, going on the road to play against a team that has won it three years in a row. So, yeah, Bucks fans, I think, to to on the whole, will have to see this before they believe it. And I think I'm in that camp as well. You know, you can make all the moves you want in the off season. The Bucks have never had an off season quite like this. But I think NFL, every NFL fan base can point to an off season where they said, "Wow." We really thought this was going to be a turning point because of these moves we made, and it just didn't materialize on the field. And to the Bucks' credit, they've been clear players and coaches about the same thing. You know, when they have to execute to live up to the expectations on a weekly basis. You don't win, you don't win any championships in, in March or May or June. And I think that that's why they're underdogs. That's why that you know everybody's going to have to see how this is going to play out before they're going to hand them anything. Obviously, the expectations are high because you can assume that. But the fact that they're underdogs this week is is proof that when it really comes down to it, we're going to have to see it in actuality. We're going to have to physically knock off the Saints before they hand them any sort of you know tangible reward for what they've done this offseason. That's a great way to put it. And we're going to look a little bit closer at the betting line for uh, Sunday's game. We'll be right back on the Bucks Wire podcast. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and BetSlippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by Jeff Clark, my colleague at SportsbookWire.com and BetSlippin' Podcast. And here's what you need to know about the Week 1 matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay is plus 145 on the money line with New Orleans Saints favored at minus 176. Jeff, which side of that do you like? 
I'm on the Saints. I'm on the favorites minus three and a half. Um, I'm, I'm I'm big about their offensive continuity. Their offensive line is going to be the hold up against uh, what should be a pretty good Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass rush. I'm not sold in the Buccaneers secondary right now. And how can you not be sold in the passing attack of the Saints? Hey, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rob Gronkowski, Wesco. All-star underdog team, plus 145, locking that in week one, a big upset in NFC South. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlippin Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Luke, the Bucks are underdogs, as we said, coming out of last segment. They're three-and-a-half-point underdogs right now with an over-under of 49. Uh, a high number, and, and I'm not su- too surprised by that. You know, I think they're a little bit lower than Cowboys, Rams, Chiefs, Texans. They're even tied with Seahawks, Falcons. So that line, first of all, the over-under of 49, it almost screams at me like I should take the under. But what do you, what do you think about the over-under 49? Yeah, that's a tough call because it's it you know when you really break it down per team, this is these are two offenses that can really put up a lot of points when they want to. But we already talked about how underrated these defenses are, and exactly. honestly, you know it, it's it's a it's a cheap quote to say at this point, but it's going to come down to the trenches, man. Everything on both sides of the ball for these teams. The biggest reason I'm hesitant to put money on the Bucks on this game is because I don't know how effective that offensive line is going to be at protecting Tom Brady. They're returning four out of five starters, uh, but they've got a first-round pick, a rookie at right tackle, replacing DeMar Dotson, who was an 11-year veteran, the longest-tenured person on the team. Uh, You've got Donovan Smith, whose best ability has been his availability at this point, but has been really inconsistent as a player. He's protecting Brady's blind side. Ali Marpet's probably the best left guard in the league that nobody knows about. Brian Jensen you know, was way better of a player in 2019 than he was in 2018. Alex Kappa, they still have high hopes for him at right guard. He's a tough guy. But this is a really formidable Saints defensive line. And even without the addition, thankfully, of uh, for, for Bucks fans of, of Jadavion Clowney, I know the Saints were in that mix at the end. Hmm. That's a big sigh of relief for them. But Cam Jordan might be the most underrated pass rusher in this league. He's one of the best in the game. He's made it clear that he really enjoys going against Donovan Smith. When the Bucks gave him a, a three-year extension a couple years ago, he tweeted out how excited he was about it. Um, <laughs> he, so, you know, use that for what you may. But, uh, you know, this that's what it's going to come down to for me. I think if these offensive lines can hold up we're going to see a high scoring game and you might want to bet the over there but i there's not enough for me to know and because it's week one and you just might see a couple more turnovers than usual some more penalties than usual especially with no preseason games and weight training camp and offseason has been different might be willing to go under on this one just because of the mistakes that might happen sure. uh, and the fact that it's just early in the season yeah i think with brady breeze these two offenses it just screams to take the over and that's why you should absolutely take the under when it when it screams at you to take the over like when it looks like they want you to take the over that's when you should start thinking 
thinking about the under. But what do you think about Bucks getting three and a half, which means if they lose by a field goal, you cover. Do you think the Bucks are a field goal away here? Or is it just, like you said, too early to tell? You know, if I had to, to put money one way or the other, and this feels silly to say because I think we're two years removed from Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing like 30 million touchdown passes and hanging like 49 on the Saints on the road in week one. Right. Uh, so what the hell do we know? But I would probably be more conservative than not. And again, taking the under here in a week one game with a new quarterback, new offense, two underrated defenses. I think it's just going to be a weird vibe. You're going to be in the Superdome with fake crowd noise and no real fans, as opposed to in the past when it was probably real fans and still crowd noise. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a joke. As Tom Brady said in his press conference the other day, it's right. a if, joke. If Tom says it, then anybody can. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I take the under here uh, and I take the, the, the fact that, again, this is a team we've talked about having kicking woes for, you know, a decade or more. So that coming down to a field goal might be a huge issue for this team uh, if, if uh, history serves them at all. So it, it's a tough spot. It's a tough line. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be putting any money on it because I'm not confident enough in it one way or the other. I know that's probably unhelpful, but uh, you know, again, I, I take the Saints because I will I will not believe that the Bucks are, are better than them until I see it on the field. Look, Luke, if you make picks on the program, all, all you're doing is opening yourself up to ridicule from Bucks fans, right? So you just got you're you're towing the company I do line. Enough, I do enough of that on my own as it is. I don't need any help. <laughs> I think you you've been watching Brady press conferences. You're learning how to say something without actually you know making a pick. So that's that's pretty good. I like that. So I'm gonna have to I'll keep an eye on you going forward here. So hey, man, next week we get to break this game down. Bucks Saints. Uh, it's gonna be a what a game it's gonna be. It's this is one of the highlights of the week one slate in my opinion. I can't wait to watch this one. Luke, enjoy a long, glorious weekend of football, my man. Hey, you too, Ryan. Join us again next week on the Bucks Wire podcast. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.